Hello, and welcome to Behind the Biography. I'm your host, Joe Thompson. And this week, we're joined by special guest, Dr. Nicholas Hine. Dr. Hine is a triple board certified physician who has completed three fellowship specialties. He's received multiple awards for his outstanding work teaching medical students and residents. And you can hear him speak in person as one of the guest speakers at Envision's National Youth Leadership Forum on Careers in Medicine. Dr. Hine, thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Joe. Pleasure to be here. Awesome, awesome. Um, and, and talking about you a little bit with, with my cohorts at work, I think one of the most interesting things and, and the place that I'd love to start, you know, we'll, we'll start at the beginning and then work our way to the end here. It's the simple fact that you've represented the kind of complete arc or complete trajectory of what we call the Envision experience or the Envision journey. Um, before you became a triple board certified physician, you were a scholar at our NYLF medicine program. You've been a faculty advisor, so came in and sat in the other side of those particular classrooms. And now you're, you're giving back um, and, and, and doing some lecturing for, for our students. So talk to us a little bit about your experience with Envision. And if you could start in the beginning when, when you were uh, becoming an NYLF medicine scholar. Absolutely. Uh, I can still remember to this day being nominated for um, being able to go. At the time, I just kind of heard at my high school, hey, there's a program that, uh, you know, you should sign up for because you can really look good on your resume. And, uh, and of course, being a high school student at the time, I was thinking, all right, well, I want to pad the resume. I want to try to be as competitive as a pre-med student if that's the you know area I'm going to go into and kind of the field I'm going to go into. So, you know, just kind of on a whim, I decided to beg my parents, you know, hey, I want to give this a shot, you know, kind of for more, more selfish purposes. Um, later when I got there, I think, you know, as a scholar, what was really, really probably the, the kind of the, the most profound point and experience that I had was it allowed me to have the opportunity to be on the front lines in the healthcare industry. Um, I got to shadow physicians. I got to wear scrubs. I got to um, you know, certainly be in areas where, uh, I mean, there's one time we got to watch these cardiovascular surgeons, um, you know, from a bubble up top and we got to just watch the whole thing. And, you know, and, and, and of course, you know, the room would, you know, erupt with, oh my gosh, he just choked, you know, opened up his entire chest. And, you know, the surgeons and, and the anesthesiologists, you know, you could just tell like they would get so passionate and it just brought so much meaning to their own lives, um, you know, with, with being able to have, you know, these, these, these youngsters and the passion, the energy that we brought. Um, you know, with them remembering that, like, hey, this isn't just a day-to-day -day thing. Like, this is, you know, obviously I have a patient on, on the table whose life I'm, I'm, I literally is in my hands. But also, I have these youngsters who are so ambitious, so, you know, passionate about wanting to go on to something in life, and and we can also affect them as well um, by them being able to be a witness to this work. And so, I started as a scholar. I think I won in my junior year. Um, and again, like I said, for kind of selfish purposes, hey, I want to kind of pad my resume, which you know, now that I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist, you know, developmentally, that's very classic of, of, of a lot of us. You know, we just kind of go into it for purposes of, you know, hey, what can I do to kind of set myself apart from the world? Went into it, had a great experience, you know, firsthand uh, shadowing, being able to talk to, you know, the pediatricians, surgeons, you know, neurologists, and, and really kind of getting a chance to see what it's like in their day-to-day -day life. And then to go back with peers my age 
and to be able to experience the opportunity of saying, hey, what is it like if we're going to try to figure out, you know, what, what, you know, what, at the, the end of the, the, the session, it was what Wilson's disease was, right? We get to sit around and, and exactly like what we do as physicians, we sit around a big table, sometimes in grand rounds or, or sometimes, you know, just, you know, in, in, in uh, you know, just rounding. And we just really try to put our heads together and say, hey, look, we're smart individuals you know, let's try to do this as a team effort. You know, this isn't just for a grade anymore. Like this is for us to really try to like better humanity and, and to give us a kind of a purpose and a meaning in our own lives by being able to, you know, kind of draw from our knowledge and our experiences in, 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 in discovering something. And, and again, allowing someone else to become the person that they are by healing them. So that was a really awesome experience. And just kind of jumping in, I'll, I'll kind of fast forward. So then eventually afterwards, when I was in medical school, I went back and I kind of knocked on the door of Envision and I said, hey, I don't know if you guys are hiring. I've certainly been part of this program, uh, but you know, if you guys are looking to faculty advisors, I'd love to kind of get involved. And I was so happy just to be welcomed back you know, with, with arms open and not only did it one year, but if I'm not mistaken, I did it three years in a row you know, as a uh -huh. faculty advisor, even brought my wife in one year, you know, <laughs> you know, to, to come in and be a faculty advisor. And the only reason I stopped was again, as a, as a medical student, I just didn't have the time because we didn't have, you know, the summers to be able to do it. And then finally, when everything was said and done as a resident, I noticed that, you know, University of North Carolina campus where I was a resident, that they were actually, you know, carrying this on. And again, my wife was so excited about it. She went on and was a faculty advisor at, at campus. And I asked her if I, I could speak because, again, having been drawn into adolescent and, and child psychiatry, I wanted to be able to give back to these teenagers in the same way that I was as a teenager, really trying to discover my identity as just who I was in the world. I mean, already we know developmentally teenagers are trying to figure out, like, who am I? You know, what groups do I belong to? What sets me apart from the rest of the world? You know, not so much in a selfish way, but I, I wanted to be able to go back and to tell these kiddos, Look, if anything, honestly, like use this experience. Maybe you're not supposed to be a doctor or a nurse or, you know, some other type of healthcare professional, but maybe this is going to be the thing that's going to tell you, I absolutely don't want to go down this path. And you can use that for that purpose as well. And if anything, that can be just as powerful of a reason to go to a program like this and to be involved in a vision, to be able to have a better sense of what your identity and purpose is. So full round experience, super, super grateful. And again, even to be able to be here and, and to kind of get that voice out you know, to, to again, help those because, and I'll just kind of slow down here. So there's, there's nothing more, you know, frustrating with, with, you know, the coronavirus pandemic than hearing these adolescents that are so energetic, so passionate, so desiring to go on in the world. And they're saying, oh my gosh, I, I just feel like the brakes have been totally slammed. I can't do inter internships. I can't go out. I can't, you know, go practice this. I can't do this. How can I get involved? How can I go on and be able to see what, what it is that I'm passionate about when there's just, I can't even go to school to do that and talk to professors about it. And so again, being able to be as resourceful as we are and to find experiences like this so that we can try to, you know, really flesh out our identity. I, that's why I will continue to be part of this going forward and, and, and on forward and so on and on. I, I love, love, love the passion that you are able to bring to our programs. Um, the ability for students in our Chapel Hill program to hear from someone who's been in those same seats, who listen to, you know, physicians and individuals in the medical field who have inspired you. Now they get to come back and hear from hear these same things from you. It's 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 invaluable. So I appreciate you for that. Um, let's let's stay in the 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 envision journey space here a little bit. 
Um, what do you, what would you say what was the most rewarding part of you coming back as, as a faculty advisor? I know my journey um, to becoming a program manager for Envision actually started as a, uh, an advisor, a faculty advisor in the medicine program as well. So I had the opportunity to see those light bulb moments, those aha, I either get it or aha, I need to figure out what's next for me um, and, and some of our high school students. Talk to me a little bit, a little bit about what were some of the most rewarding pieces of you actually being a faculty advisor after experiencing our programs. Oh, awesome question. I, I think it taps on so many different purposeful venues that, that we can go down. Um, probably the most profound thing is, and I'll never forget, uh, there was a girl that you know was one of our groups, and I could just tell she was really bummed out by like day eight. And I went down and I sat down with her. You know, this is when everyone was out, kind of having you know some free time. And I sat down and I just started talking to her and I just, you know, was checking in, hey, is everything okay? And she's like, honestly, I just, I feel really discouraged that I just don't think I want to become a healthcare professional. And, you know, she started elaborating a little bit more on it and on it. And I was just like, honestly, like, I think, you know, this, this kind of like, you know, light bulb moment that you're having is, is probably going to be one of the greatest things, you know, going forward. And I'm so glad that you're figuring this out now then going into medical school, going into residency, and then, you know, all of a sudden deciding to change tracks when you're, you know, in debt up the wazoo and, and all of a sudden you've sacrificed so much of your time, so much of your life, so much of your energy. So honestly, you being able to figure out, you know, this is something I can cross off the list is just as important as the guy that, you know, I just talked to that, you know, is so excited, jumping up and down. He's going to be a neurosurgeon. He knows it, you know, he's going to go off and, and do everything he can to make it happen. So I, again, you know, life prepares you as you go. And, you know, there's this really silly commercial that I listen to whenever I, you know, I'm in the car and it's, it's, you know, the lottery commercial, you can't win unless you actually buy a ticket. By the way, I'm not condoning buying lottery tickets, but like, in a sense, like, you know, you make your own luck. And if I'm not mistaken, that's, you know, something Michael Jordan said, like you make your own luck. And so if, if you don't go through certain experiences and you don't allow yourself to be open up to these experiences, you're never going to know if it is or isn't something that you can be passionate about. And so going to these programs, and you know, and I, I certainly went to some programs that weren't, you know, medically oriented. Some of them were more government or more political oriented. And for me, I was able to realize, in fact, there was even a medical missionary trip that was, you know, like purely dentist oriented. And by the end of it, I was like, you know what? This is definitely not my calling. I am definitely meant to, you know, sit down and communicate with people versus, you know, this, this incredible profession of being able to sit down and be very meticulous and working you know, in detail with, with individuals' teeth. So, you know, what I think the most rewarding thing is being able to get to a point with the scholars and saying, look, I don't know where life is going to take you, but use this as a stepping stone of being able to say, this is definitely not a, you know, an area I want to go into, or maybe I have a little more interest and let me kind of explore a little bit more about that in college or you know, as a faculty advisor later on, because I think more than anything, we just want a sense of belonging, a sense of identity. And if there's something that I can kind of go in a direction towards or know this is definitely the direction I don't need to go towards, that's a success in my book. Right. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Um, so really quick question. You mentioned some other programs. Were there other Envision programs that you attended or did you stay in our medicals, in, the, in our careers in medical in medicine space? With Envision, I did the medical programs, but there were some other ones that I did, like some medical missionary trips um, that weren't necessarily like, you know, like, like I mentioned, like they were more dentist oriented. Um, I was a language major, so I ended up doing a lot of stuff abroad where, you know, again, I was involved, um, you know, on kind of a more political spectrum as well. But again, it, all experiences that allowed me to be able to make my luck and to allow me to kind of get to the path where I'm at right now. Awesome. Thank you.
Um, so it's 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 the end of 2020. We have what less than two weeks, roughly two weeks before before we wrap up this very long and trying year. Um, we have students who, for all intents and purposes, have been anxious and ready to attend a program, and now it'll be a little bit over a year before they'll actually have the opportunity to come in and, and, and interact with us and with you. Um, what advice do you have for specifically uh, an NYLF careers in medicine student, knowing how integral they will be to our immediate futures? Um, what advice do you have for those students who are you know, coming back to Envision during a time where I believe they're gonna be our most important students? Yeah. I. I try really hard, especially during times like this, to think of two things. A, in crisis comes clarity, and B, to every dark cloud that has the opportunity, there is the opportunity to find a silver lining. So, you know, this time I like to think is a time where, um, so I, part of my balance is, is, is in the way I disconnect from, you know, being on the front lines from time to time, because again, I, I've served as an ER physician, um, you know, certainly trying to keep people on their own front lines as well. Um, and, you know, and I, and there, there are some weeks, especially now where I am working seven days a week, but trying to keep some balance. So in that balance, for me, part of what I do is I work out and I just, I just disconnect and that there, that rather that's how I disconnect. And so what I've been able to do during this time is really, really, really take a, a step back and say, okay, how can I establish that balance? Whereas if I would have just been kind of in the grind, in the grind, in the grind, and I would never, never, never have, have you know, had to kind of, you know, pump the brakes on the pedals, I would have just kind of kept going and never really been mindful of where I'm at. So again, I, I really try to think maybe this is a time that all of us, even though we may not be in the trenches and on the front lines, it doesn't mean that the people that are in the, you know, fifth reserve back are any less important than the people that are on the front lines. In fact, if anything, they're even more important because then the people that are on the front lines know, okay, I, I have people that are going to be able to come back, help me out at the front, you know, like, like reinforcements are on the way. So think of this time as I'm in the gym, I'm, I'm you know, intellectually, emotionally, you know, academically working myself out. And it is going to be a painful experience. I mean, those are part of the growing pains of life, but that doesn't mean that you not being on the front lines is any less important. In fact, if anything, this is the most important time for you to be able to grow in those passions and desires to want to become that healthcare professional that you would have taken for granted if you had just jumped in the program like I had the first time. Fortunately, I had a, I had an experience and, and, and had had you know, continual experiences where I felt that drawing, that pull back to medicine. So I say, you know, for all of you guys that are out there that are questioning, you know, any of your insecurities, any of your identities, any, you know, your passions, this time too will have an incredible purpose. You are in the gym. Use this time to work out. Don't just sit aside and to play the victim and to pout. Really, really, really try hard and say, look, all conditions, you know, being where they're at, maybe right now all I can do is bench press the bar. And that's okay mm -hmm. because, you know, maybe in the right conditions, you're going to be able to bench press, you know, the bar and some. But right now you have to be realistic with yourself with the conditions that are happening. And, and for me, and part of why I went on to get, you know, four postgraduate degrees was, you know, I was biting at the chomp just to just let me free, let me do this, let me, and as soon as I get, you know, I want to know more about, I'm a behavioralist, I want to understand, you know, why do people think this way? Okay, next one. Why do people think that way? Then the next one, right? And the same yeah. thing too, like, 
you know, I'm, I'm training for an Ironman. Like I, I, I want to be able to continue to, you know, preach at all times, but speak when you have to. I want you to be able to see my actions and to say, I'm not just a guy that speaks words. I'm a guy that went through a horrible, tumultuous path. And I use those as stepping stones to get to where I'm at. And I want you guys too, while you're in the weight room to say, this is a time I can build myself up so that when that chain breaks, man, world, watch out. Cause here I come. I love it. Awesome. Well, let's lighten the, the mood up a little bit. You know, this is behind the biography. So we'll, we'll dig a little bit deeper into some things that you may not be able to, to read online or, or, or catch there. So you mentioned you're, you're preparing, it sounds like, for, for an Ironman. Yes. Um, is this your first Ironman competition? And if so, what, what does this mean to you? Yep. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so this is going to be my first. I was actually signed up to do... A half Ironman last year, I fell off my bike, broke my hands. I was signed up to do one this last October, um, was going down a hill, fell off my bike, broke my bike and completely just burnt my body out. So, you know, but the way I look at it is we're going to fall and and we have the opportunity to get back up. I'm not going to lie. It's, it certainly will be very rewarding to be able to cross the finish line and to be able to say, check that off my bucket list. But part of it, and the most important part of it is, and this is where, you know, as, as a sports psychiatrist back in the day, I still continue to work with a lot of athletes, is for me, the athleticism is a way, multiple facets, but I have to be able to find a way where I can disconnect. Just like a pitcher who's on the mound, when the big batters come up and it's the ninth inning and he's got to close the game, he's got to be realistic and he's got to be able to get off the mound, take a deep breath play with the chalk ball, go talk to the catcher about anything and everything but baseball to be able to get him back in a mind space where he can be clear headed, intellectually driven and ready to go back in the ER scene is, is, you know, just as, as you know, is, is, um, uh, powerful, you know, as possible. So I, this is going to be an awesome opportunity, but the way that I look at it is, and I know this might sound kind of, kind of cheesy, but I, I deal in, I, so I'm a mental health professional and I hear suffering, horrible, horrible suffering day in and day out. And for me, I'm very mind, body, and spirit because part of my, one of my, my fellowships and one of my board certifications is in addiction. And there we have things like serenity prayer. We believe in higher powers. We believe that sometimes we have to be able to surrender to our weaknesses and say, okay, someone else, something else is going to have to help me get through these experiences. So for me, when I'm out there and I'm training my butt off, sometimes I like to say, honestly, I know my patients are out there and they're suffering, that their strength may be mine. And if, if some way their suffering may be mine to bear today, that is going to give me meaning in my working out. And I certainly found, even though I'm no great athlete, I certainly found out that in you know my competitions and the times that I've competed, I have found this sixth gear of athleticism where all of a sudden now my running isn't just about, again, me being the guy that wants to buff up the resume. It's me being able to be in common union or communion with my patients in that suffering in, in, in even the most you know, remote kind of empathic ways so that again, suffering doesn't just have to be suffering. Their suffering can take on an incredible meaning as well. And that too, you know, can, can, can have some power to it. And I'll, I'll just kind of finish with this. I'll never forget when I was on the oncology ward, talking to a gentleman who, you know, was given a diagnosis of terminal cancer and, you know, was exhibiting signs and symptoms of depression. So they, you know, the, the primary team consulted, psychiatry came over, I walked up to him and he looked at me and he said, buddy, what are you going to do? Shove Prozac down my throat and tell me to be happy in life. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I don't know why you have to suffer. I, I don't know. 
But here's the reality. I want in the days that you have to, you, know, you have left to have meaning and to have, you know, maybe the suffering can have meaning. I mean, look at your family. Everyone that I've talked to has been able to say, oh my gosh, you know, grandpa is such an incredible, you know, guy. He's, he's, you know, he's even fighting to the very ends. And like, that gives me strength and that gives me courage. And so again, I, I, I want to get this message out to our youth that it is okay that we suffer. It is okay that we fail. And it is only a failure if we stay kicked down. But if we use these experiences to be able to grow from, just like Stephen Curry did, you know, after they set all these records and they lost, you know, the, the NBA finals, he went back and used it to propel him to go win multiple finals. And so I say to you guys, you may feel like you're down. That's why I went into psychiatry, because it's one thing to have a feeling and that's and have a perspective. It's another thing to actually be able to say, what is the true reality? So take these opportunities, athleticism, Ironman, I don't care what it is, you know, as, as opportunities to be in, you know, you know, common union with, with your buddies and to use this as a moment of strength and not as, as a moment of failure. Oh my goodness. I, I think <laughs> our listeners are going to literally hold on to, to every word that, that you're saying here, uh, Dr. Hine. And I, I couldn't be more pleased with what I'm hearing. Um, and I think the, the thing that I'm holding on to and grasping onto myself is how passionate you speak about literally every, uh, you know, in, in all of your answers to the questions that I've had for you today. Um, and I know that is threaded throughout all of our programs. It's turn your passion into your, your, your promise or your paycheck or your career. Um, and it feels like, you know, in the research that I've done and in our brief chat today, that that is something that is important to you. You, you find something that's important to you and you do everything you can to make sure you get across that particular finish line. Um, Talk to our, our listeners about how important that is um, for you to figure out what it is you're passionate about and let that drive you. I, again, I, thank you for asking these questions, Joe, because this, our listeners need to hear this because, again, developmentally where they're at, I guarantee you they're, they're sitting back and thinking, especially if I'm watching classes, you know, online and I feel like it's this rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, you know, like what's the purpose? Where's the meaning and all this? Where do I find the passion? And again, just as a backdrop here without getting too personal, life wasn't always, you know, passion and peaches in the sky either. I mean, certainly I had to go through and I continue to go through moments, you know, sometimes with my patients, sometimes alone, sometimes with my family, where I have to be able to go back to the locker room and go through the pangs of, of, of grief, the pangs of you know, building myself back up so I can be to a point where, you know, again, I, I can have this passion for others and that at times they can bring it to me. So I, here's, here's probably the best thing I can share with, with others that are out there. Whether you are a custodian, a physician, an engineer, the president, I, I don't care where you're at, there's this incredible opportunity that we have in being able to develop a sense of meaning and a sense of purpose. And we can do that this very kind of almost like a, in, in a paradoxical kind of way. So um, by giving meaning to others, we give meaning to ourselves. So I'll elaborate and this might be a minute or two. So just bear with me here. It's, it's not psychobabble. I, I promise this has meaning. So um, again, as a language major, I was a language major, by the way, I, and I had zero, zero psychological training before I went into, you know, psychiatry, zero. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. Now that I sit, you know, on, on certain um, admission boards, you know, and I interview physicians and fellowship physicians, you know, one of the things that really gets me excited is if you come here and you have like a degree in art, 
I'm going to sit there and be super excited and say, what, what can you add to the table, you know, in medicine? I mean, don't get me wrong. We, we definitely need our, our biochemists. We definitely need our, our science-minded individuals. But I, I, I want to have someone that's also going to bring something diverse to the table as well that, like, we can grow and we can really learn from. Okay. So, again, as a language major, I, I spent a lot of my time in, in Italy and in Spain um, and in Austria really trying to really understand the different languages and, more importantly, really trying to understand – again, this is where my behavioralist kind of came out – understand why people do the things, why they act, why they eat certain ways, talk certain ways – and just really try to, you know, culture myself and, and, and just other, other, other things outside of my own mind and my kind of, you know, egocentric, like me, 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 me and my resume. So sure. one of the things that I loved is there's this, it's called the Academia and it's this, um, it's this museum in Florence, Italy. And uh, in the center of it is this, you know, incredibly just perfectly chiseled statue of, of David from David and Goliath done by this artist by the name of Michelangelo. Um, who you know painted the Sistine Chapel in the Vatican, and you look at this incredible statue, and that's where everyone goes and takes the picture. But what I love the most are these these statues of marble that look incomplete that line the corridor up to that statue. And if you actually look at Michelangelo's writing, he'll actually talk about the profoundness of these. They're called the esclavi or i prisoneri, like the prisoners, right? The slaves, the prisoners. And he said, when I see a block of marble. I don't just see a block of marble. I see the Michelangelo, I'm sorry, I see the Davids inside. I see these beautiful sculptures that are just waiting to be chiseled out and to bring them out. And so he has these half, you can Google them. You see these like half scene, you know, almost like, like Han Solo kind of popping out of his, you know, whatever the metal is, you know, like, like ready to pop out. And so for me, what brings incredible meaning to my life is when I am able in the most minute way to chisel away some of that marble and to allow my scholars, my students, my residents, my patients to be able to become the persons that they were intended to become. And if depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, anxiety is inhibiting that to, you know, from, from allowing you to become that student, that professional, that parent, that child, then, you know, darn it, I'm going to help you do with, with the tools that I have to be able to break free from that, those chains, those bonds to become the person that you are. And by the way, not that I do this just for that sake, but when I give you, when I'm an instrument of providing you meaning in your life, that brings an incredible sense of purpose and meaning in my own life. You know, I, there was an individual who graduated from high school a couple of years ago, you know, had a GPA of about a 1.7, was really struggling to get through. I mean, depression was just, just beating him down. This is a horrible beat down. He didn't ask for it. He didn't want depression. It was just the situation, everything was happening. He got through, and I'll never forget him giving this ginormous hug on graduation saying, day and just saying, Doc, look where I'm at. No one in my family's ever graduated from high school, and here I am. Like, I, I, I don't even know what to say. And, and honestly, like, I'm just getting the goosebumps thinking about this. Like, look, the guy did all the hard work. I was just there kind of giving the assist to Stephen Curry to be able to do the boom slam dunk at the end. But in a way, that assist brought so much meaning to my own life that, like, you know, if depression tries to come back and tries to haunt me, I don't know if it, it really is going to have a place, you know, in my soul ever again. So that's what I want to give to to my 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 individuals that are out there listening to this. You don't have to be a doctor on the front lines to give meaning to others. I'll, I'll use one more quick example. You know, when coronavirus happened, I'll never forget, like, sitting in my car, you know, listening to, like, you know, Metallica music or, you know, like, hardcore music. Be like, I'm going to run to this grocery store. I'm going to go get my food. And I'm going to, you know, get out and, you know, get in, get out. And here I go. Like, you know, da -da 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 -da. ran in and just, like, you know, kind of 
ran over people, you know, not literally, but kind of ran and got my thing and got up. And then one day I just decided like, I'm just gonna, I just, I've got to slow down in life. I've just got to slow down. And so here I was at the cashier's register and I just told, you know, the cashier, like, you know what, just thank you for being here. Maybe you're here because out of financial necessity, maybe, I don't know why you're here, but by you being here, you're allowing me to be able to, you know, provide for my family. And this, this cashier just broke down into tears and said, everyone's been treating me like a doormat today. And, and not only are you not treating me like a doormat, but you're, you're like acknowledging my existence. And of course, I'm kind of like, whoa, like, and they just said, thank you for that. And I realized like, again, I didn't have to be a doctor with 50 degrees to be able to give that meaning and value to that person's life. I just acknowledged who they were and what they were doing and why that was meaningful to my life. And so again, what I want to share to all those scholars that are at like this static, you know, breaks halting moment because of the pandemic, get ready because when the, the, the gun goes off and the, you know, and you get to go off and you get to run your race, please, please, please continue to create this culture of passion, create this culture of meaning to the lives of others because selfishly you may be able to also get that meaning in life in yourself. So Adam Smith, this economist, one of our founding fathers said this, you know, this, this, this concept of this invisible hand theory by you helping others, even if it's selfish, right? Mm -hmm. Fortunately, my, my profession, I found like, oh my gosh, like I get to do this. I'm, I'm not doing this just for the money. I'm not just like, this brings like a sense of purpose for me to be able to wake up and do. Even if you're doing this, it's going to come around and it's maybe going to help and benefit you. So for all you guys that are out there and you're waiting and you're wondering, what should I do? How do I figure out what it is that I'm going to do? You've got to play, don't play the lottery or whatever. Like you've got to be able to create your luck and you've got to be able to get out there the very best that you can when the, the conditions are right to be able to see yourself and unleash those passions. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you again, Dr. Hein. Um, I, I really appreciate um, I know it was in an example of, you know, answering our, our last question, but I, I appreciate um, you, you speaking about that cashier at the grocery store and kind of what that moment or that interaction with you um, kind of did for them in, in that particular space. And before COVID-19, you know, that was something that we would rarely expect, you know, someone like that finding appreciation in, in being appreciated or, you know, finding that moment to, to thank you for, for that. How else has, what other changes or how else has COVID-19 kind of affected your day-to-day -day life? And, and I'll ask if we, you know, this is, like I said, behind the biography, um, how has it affected you as the father and the husband? We know you speak very eloquently and, 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 and very passionately about your family as well. How have things kind of, you know, affected your day-to-day -day life both at home and at work? Yeah, it's, it's certainly give me, given me a, a, a a very different perspective than I would have had if I just continued to push forward, push forward, push forward. Um, I think first and foremost, you know, just being able to be here at work, you know, on the front lines, you know, fate just had it that I was in a profession that was going to allow me to be able to stay employed for that. I'm, I'm unbelievably, unbelievably grateful. Um, and I don't take that for granted. I don't. And, and, and more than anything, because of the value that I see from my work, I try so hard to be able to allow others to be able to share in that meaningfulness of being able to, you know, just enjoy what it's like being able to go home and to be able to say, I worked my butt off today. And that was, that was so meaningful for me. So my, my, my heart goes out to everyone that does not have the same luck um, because a lot of it is like, I mean, look, like just the way that I was, I was competing, like, you know, I broke my hands going into the competition and that was bad luck. 
you know, not that I was like intending to do anything horrible. It just, that was the conditions of the day. And I wasn't paying attention to my bike and, you know, I slipped on some leaves and, you know, bada bing, bada boom. So I think the most important thing that I've, I've really grown from with the COVID is pandemic is um, just this incredible deep appreciation for those individuals that can't go for go to work. And here they are, they're, they're, they're hanging on to whatever string of hope that they can saying, just because I am not the Michael Jordan playing on the Chicago Bulls, just because I'm benched as a JV player like he was back in the day, from my understanding, that doesn't make him any less of a future NBA star, right? Like he still has that potentiality. And that's what I want others to grow hope and, and, and kind of, you know, courage from is just because you are right now on the sidelines doesn't mean you're going to be any less of a father, employee, you know, so on and so forth. So I, I really hope that we can all grow together from this experience, be more empathic with each other, right? In trying to understand where we're at, help each other through this process, because there's so many ways with the hurt and the suffering that we can beat each other down. But it just, it doesn't do anything. It's, it, it doesn't do anything for any of us. So hopefully we can all try to look past the suffering. You know, I'll give you a great example. Um, I used to get so offended when people would like totally cut me off on the highway and zoom past me and give me the middle finger. And finally, I just realized, you know what, for all I know, like that guy's, you know, had a horrible, terrible day and he just, I'd rather him take it out in kind of like a, you know, more benign, you know, situation by cutting off some old fart like me, you know, driving behind my, you know, my, my station wagon than, you know, him going off and, you know, kicking the cat at home. So I, I just, I want us to all try to continue to create this sense of awareness for each other. We're all hurting. We're all suffering, but that's what's made our nation so great. We are resilient. We get the crap beaten out of ourselves, but then we pick ourselves back up and we just keep going and we keep going and we keep going. So I, I just, I reach out to all of us and I say, again, whether we're a healthcare professional on the front lines and, and airplanes are going to fly over and, you know, and salute us, or whether we're the guy that's on the bench ready to bite at the chomp and become the next NBA professional MVP, right? We all, all, all have the potentiality and I want us to be able to take a step back and say, okay, if I'm on the bench, what can I do right here, right now to work out mentally, physically, emotionally, to be the best person, the best Michael Jordan when I go forward? Oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, it looks like our time is, is winding down here and I want to make sure you get back out on the front lines and continue saving lives through your, your empowerful words and empowering the next Dr. Hine to come through that pipeline. Um, but let's let's end it on pretty much a, a little bit more of a fun note. Um, really quick hitter here. Um, it sounds like you're very into sports. I'm someone who is a, a heavy sports enthusiast and I've been wondering, okay, what are, what are your favorite sports teams and athletes to, to follow and support? Yes, yes. Oh, this is, you'll, you'll see my new cards here, my, my real cards. I love yeah. the Cowboys. I love the Cowboys and I love the Rangers. Um, I, and I say that because there's a deeper meaning to this. Um, when I was going through some really tumultuous times with my father, and I was really kind of you know struggling to understand my place and my position in life, just full circle here, it was the Rangers and the Cowboys and just the commonality of me being able to talk about whether it's Troy Aikman, Pudge Rodriguez, Juan Gonzalez, just being able to sit there you know in front of a TV or even at you know, we get the three dollar bleacher you know seats, and just you know I, I just needed to be present with my dad. And you know what? We at least had something that we could we could just talk about and be in, you know in commonality with, and so that's why I, I really love athletes, and that's why I also am, am a sports psychiatrist because 
I really truly think that these athletes have an incredible position. I mean, look at LeBron James, look at Michael Jordan. Their voice, you know, Michael Phelps have so much. Look at, you know, Zeke, you know, you know, and Dak Prescott, who just recently talked about, you know, his brother's suicide and how it's really having an impact. And, and you know, look at Michael Phelps and you know his Phelps Foundation. He's 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 trying to help Lady Gaga. You know, these individuals are are really trying to be a voice for those that don't have a voice. They're trying to be an advocate. So, I love I love you know the concept of you know what the Cowboys and what the Rangers have done and what they're going to continue to do for me. Um, don't get me wrong. I certainly love you know when we're able to to put a good beat down on on you know the Eagles <laughs> and the Giants. <laughs> but uh, all that being said and done. You know, certainly the deeper meaning that I see from all this is, again, just being able to kind of have something that I can share with others, enjoy it, and, you know, be in the same room with, you know, a Pittsburgh Steelers fan and still be able to find something we can hoot and holler about it until the end of the night. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Hein, for, for spending some time with me, uh, a Washington football team fan. Um, <laughs> good conversation here today. Um, I can't thank you enough for what you provided to, you know, envision as a whole coming from, you know, a, a high school junior in our medical program to, to now, you know, one of the more impactful speakers that we have of our program and one of our first guests on behind the biography, um, kind of setting the tone for what this podcast will be moving forward. Um, thank you again. And, and I look forward so much to our listeners having the opportunity to, to share in, in in this space that I was able to share with you as well. No, please. Thank you. And, and thank you for being an instrument to allowing this to happen as well, because look, there are those of us that just kind of stay back in our offices and, and, and to be able to, to be that instrument, to be able to get these voices out there, I think is, is such a profound position as well. So let's do this together. Let's push forward. We're going to get through this. We've gotten through so much in the past and, and I, I'm going to look so forward to all those scholars that, you know, if they do, this does anything means any weight, they're going to be able to look forward in the future and say, that gave me, you know, enough oof to be able to get through one more day. Let's look forward to this together and, and just keep pushing forward. Thank you again. Here's an, an opportunity for us or for you to share with us and our listeners um, what's going on with you next. What's, what's going on next? How can our listeners connect with you? If there's an opportunity to do so, what's the best way for them to, to reach out and become greater supporters of what you have going on? Yep, lots of talks. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, being at Envision, I'm going to certainly try to give more keynote uh, uh, talks there. Um, certainly going to try to have opportunities where individuals can shadow uh, myself and other physicians like myself. So, again, I, I really, really want to advocate that those listeners, those scholars, those parents of scholars, you know, really, really think, you know, if if they allow their kiddos to be able to kind of sit there and, and not, I'm sorry, not sit there, but but to to be able to be a witness. Um, to you know what we're doing day in and day out, it is not Gray's Anatomy, it is not guts and glory, it is, you know, a lot of a lot of work, a lot of you know pushing through perseverance, and you know just to be able to give parents and scholars you know just a little bit more encouragement that you know you know whether it's by coming to these talks or whether it's by being able to, to be present and shadowing us, we will make ourselves available and we will certainly try to share that passion with them. Just as those, you know, that my, my faculty advisors and the doctors that I, I certainly were around that I, I saw that I've modeled after, you know, have influenced me. I hope that we can be influences of them too. So we'll, we'll see you at the next NYLF Envision meetings. We'll see you guys at the next talks and certainly uh, fire away with all the questions that you have, because we know you're going to have good ones. This has been another amazing episode of Behind the Biography. Thank you to our guest, and thank you so much for tuning in. 
You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're interested in our programs, please visit our website at envisionexperience.com. Also, we'd love to hear from you. So check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and even LinkedIn, and tell us what you think at Envision Experience.